Thank you for tuning in. My prayer is that this message is going to be an encouragement to you personally and will cause great growth in your life. It's time to live and it's time to take this next step forward. God bless you as you listen. All right. Thank you, Devin. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, man, I, I'm excited about today. I said about what God's got in store for us, but, but also before I jump into the teaching, the preaching today, I have a couple things to kind of just keep playing back here for a couple of minutes. Uh, thank you to those of you who helped out this week to recycle a bunch of stuff and give us our new stage design. They guys, these guys did this with an amazing, amazing like zero budget ish, you know, but that, I thank you guys so much for those of you who are here all week uh, uh, working with this project. So very, very grateful to you for that. And, uh, and also I, I still have a few more of these books left. I mean, I gave one away last week. This is the uh, book called Socialism Under the Microscope. This was written, uh, this came out in January of this year. You would have thought it came out this month when you read it, but it actually came out in January of this year. It's written by Rodney Howard Brown, and it's a, it's a very, very powerful study. This is one of the resources I used for my, uh, for my series that I did on Tim at 12 called The Religion, False Religion of Marxism, and I've got a few more of these available. So if anybody likes to read and you would like one of these, I'll just give you this book. I saw your hand go up over there. Donna, can you catch? Okay, I don't want to hit you in the head or anything like that. I, I did that one time when I was a children's pastor. I threw something, I hit a kid in the head. I know, I'll just give it to you. There you go. You did it. All right. I, I did that a long time. I was a children's pastor. I just threw something, I hit a kid in the head. He's like, and I'm like, oh no. Yes, that's like going to church and get injured. So ever since then, I've been a little apprehensive to throw things in church. I, I, I don't know. Maybe we're not supposed to throw things in church. I don't know. But. I also want you guys to continue praying for the presidential election, okay? Now, I, I, I say this with a very sincere heart, and I want you to know my heart on this. Uh, this is not about cheering for a candidate. This is about praying for the system, okay? And, and there's so much disinformation that's out right now, and we, we do not elect president based upon the media. A president is elected according to laws. And there's a lot of people who don't understand that. Uh, I was raised in a culture where we were taught this. We were taught the details of this when I was in school. So I, I'm fairly well versed in it and, and just kind of glancing back over it. So I'm like, yeah, I remember all of that. But I want to talk to you very briefly about this because a lot of things hang in the balance right now. Uh, one person has already been called the president-elect, but I'll be candid with you, the Constitution doesn't say that. It actually says something very different. And we need to be careful what we're listening to and filter things correctly. Uh, I, I, I gave the guys a slide because this slide kind of illustrates things best. Uh, you've always, always heard that you have to have 270 electoral votes to be, become the president or the president-elect. This is actually the current standing. And if you'll notice, this is important. I'm, this is education here. It's only education. Um, if you'll notice, there are several states where there are recounts and, and the election is being contested. So therefore, those electoral votes that would potentially come from those states, they don't exist at this point. So the numbers that you see there are the numbers that would potentially be the electoral votes. So we're looking at something that we've not seen in our lifetime. Now, the last time we saw anything similar to this, the year 2000, when there were two states that were being contested, and now there are, uh, there are six. We have the state of Nevada, Arizona, Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Georgia. And the way this works is the Constitution, um, that's Article 2, Section 1. Also, uh, there are two amendments that go along with this, which is Amendment Number 12 and Amendment Number 23, explains how a president is elected. Now, if you're expecting this to be wrapped up in the next couple days, it won't. In fact, I'm no, no prophet, but I've been saying this for months. This decision for the president will not happen on election day. So be protracted, and I still believe it to be very protracted. Uh, I see all the evidence that is there, and it's setting a lot of people up to, you know, for whoever chooses whoever or whoever your favorite is, there could be a lot of anger. Um, and I, want you to, I just want you to understand the law. On December 8th, that's, that's actually the next important day. December 8th is the deadline for all of the states to have all of the election disputes resolved and the, uh, the election results from the individual states has to be certified by those states. 
and there are a lot that are hanging in the balance right there. So if what you saw right there, if that's not resolved by the eight, that throws us into a greater crisis. Someone has to decide somewhere in those states where those votes go. Um, on December 13th, then, the Electoral College meets. And they, these are the people that actually elect the president. This has been a part of our system since the very beginning. And, uh, and then the Electoral College, they, they do the election, but then those votes then go to the... Uh, but, but if for some reason they're not able to vote or there are there's some, some things that are messed up there, well, the process continues going. And our Constitution is set up to deal with things like this. Uh, the next important date is January 6th. So this may keep going, okay? The next important date is January 6th, and that's where the newly elected Congress will meet and they will certify the votes that came from the Electoral College. And at that point, then we have a president-elect. All right, that doesn't happen until January 6th. And I know in the past it's been a lot easier to determine it. This year, it's just simply not. Um, And if there's no clear winner at that point, then it goes to the House of Representatives. So the House of Representatives actually elects the new president. Now, it's not a vote of every person in the House gets a vote. It doesn't work that way. The way it's set up is each state gets one vote. Each state gets one vote. So they put together a coalition of, of who's <clears throat> in the House and the Senate uh, from each state, and then those people get together and they decide which direction their vote is going to go. And then they cast those 50 votes. 50 votes are cast, and if there's not a clear winner at that point, then as the Constitution says, then the vice president, the sitting vice president, then becomes the president. That is the system. And it's set up that way with all of these little breaks in there so that issues can be resolved. So what we want to pray for, very clear, we want to pray that these situations are revolved, uh, are are, uh, are taken care of because if nothing happens by January 20th, which is Inauguration Day, then the vice president becomes the president. So we need to pray for this election process. There have been uh, a lot of sworn depositions that have gone out over the past, that have, that have uh, arisen over the past several days regarding fraud. And I don't know, you don't know, nobody knows. That's for the courts to decide. That's why you know, the presidential election, it's, you know, it comes through laws. So the courts have to decide this. So we need to be praying. We need to be praying because right now it's out of our hands. Your voice isn't going to say much. You know? There's not much you can do except one thing, and that's pray. Prayer is what will smooth this out. So can we pray right now? Let's just pray. Let's just pray. God, we lift up... Uh, this election process to you, God. We, there are things we don't know and things we don't understand, but God, we, we do thank you that we have a nation that is based upon laws and, and, uh, and that these, these laws that are set up in the Constitution, they're there for a reason. And, and God, we, we ask for your favor in this situation. God, there's not been a contested uh, election of this nature in over 100 years. And God, we, we need your help. We just need your help, Lord. We need to... We need you to give uh, these, these judges and uh, those people who are making decisions, these secretaries of state, give them wisdom, God. Give our leaders wisdom in all 50 states, God. Now we pray that, that, uh, that truth will prevail in the end and, that, and that, that, uh, that there will be peace in our land, God. And I pray that there will be peace in our city as well. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that your hand is over all of this. So I choose to live in peace. I choose to walk in peace. And I pray that the people of this church will choose to live and walk in peace and not in fear or anger or being disgruntled or or regardless of what happens, God. We know that you are the one who's over all. So we ask you, God, just to intervene and to to speak to the hearts and lives of, of the people who are in this, who are now a part of this election process in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much. We're going to keep praying for this week after week so that we can have a clear understanding of of what's happening uh, in in the United States of America. But I'd like if you go ahead and and get your Bibles opened up to the book of 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter number 9. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 6. Hold your place there. Uh, Today 
I just want to tell you right up front from the very beginning that today I am going to be talking about generosity and giving. Uh, it's a huge topic in the Bible. Jesus said, where your heart is, excuse me, where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. And that's why we call today Heart for the House Sunday. And uh, so many of us have a heart for this house. We, we do. And so today we're going to invest in what God is doing in and through us. Now, if you're new to us, let me just explain this. This is a huge, very special annual day for our church. And we have a threefold vision for this year's Heart for the House. And here's a threefold vision for this year's Heart for the House. We have a vision to reach the nations. Second, we have a vision to minister to unique needs within our city, within our community. And third is we have a vision to be more flexible as a church and adapt like never before. And that's where Heart for the House Sunday comes in. I'm going to explain all this to you here in a few minutes. So again, if you're visiting here with us or you're new new to church, I want you to hear me right up front. I don't want you in any way to feel obligated to give. But my prayer is that what you hear today, God will customize it for you in a unique and powerful and personal way, and so that you'll walk away from here knowing that God spoke to you today. I've been uh, sharing this with you guys for weeks, and today I'm actually going to go ahead and challenge you now to make pledges and sacrificial offerings toward our vision for Heart for the House Sunday. This is a family day around here, so those of you who call City Life Church your home, this is for you especially. A little bit of history, last year, uh, Heart for the House Sunday was in October of, of last year, and we pledged and we gave offerings toward a significant remodeling of our building, and a portion of everything that was given last year for Heart for the House went, to, went out to other ministries and went out to, to bless others, and I just want you to see a little testimony that was sent to me uh, just a couple days ago from Motor City Church in Detroit, a church that we, are, we have helped plant because of your offerings from last year. Take, this is a, a church plant in uh, downtown Detroit. Uh, Josh Shockey, he's a young man who many of you know him. He's dedicated his life to ministry here in this area. And he took a huge faith le- leap for him and his family, not even knowing that COVID was going to happen. and still kept moving forward to plant a church in Detroit. I want you to see this update from Josh. Yes, isn't that awesome? That is so awesome. Thank you guys for your email. I love that because it's, it's a place where, where physical transformation takes place and they switch it out on Sundays and spiritual transformation takes place in that same place. So uh, CrossFit gym becomes church. They, they could call it CrossFit church. I don't know, but it just seemed to be a little intense. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I do. I love it. I love it. What a, what a blessing though. But that's part, this is who we are. These are the things that we do. 2020, uh, this has been the year that we'll never forget. And I hope we don't say that about 2021 also. Yeah, but this is the year that Trump 2020, you know, we don't know. I said Trumped 2020, not Trump 2020. That's, that's not what I said. It's funny because you can't say the word Trumped that much anymore because people think you're making a political statement, but that wasn't there. But, but uh, moving into this spring, the spring of this year, uh, as, we, as we were beginning to remodel the facilities, we had our, our new foyer open up and, uh, and Everything changed overnight. We'll never forget when that happened. We had to make some quick decisions as a ministry. Uh, at the time when COVID kind of happened, 
they call it the shutdown or whatever you want to call it, but we didn't really know very much about COVID, how it spread or how serious it was, and, and we really believed, and we made the right decision, that the thing to do was the most responsible thing to do, and that was to, um, to make some changes, aggressive changes. Uh, one of the things that we did is we chose to temporarily suspend our Expand 2020 project because we didn't know about this virus. So we, we wanted to make sure contractors and volunteers were not at risk. Uh, and during that same time, we initiated some emergency support for local homeless ministry. And you get, many of you guys participated in that uh, during this season. I also launched Tim at 12, which was an online uh, teaching and Bible study program, and we chose to go online with our church on Sunday mornings. Uh, at the same time, though, we needed cameras, we needed equipment, we needed lighting, and, and so we moved our services online. One, they were 100% online for six weeks where there was no one here. Uh, but we were really blessed during this time because, and, and God always makes sure that we're blessed, and, and I love that. Because the, when you see these, um, with, when you see the miracles happen in this, you say God has been working all along. But we're blessed because the owner of a local AV company brought his equipment in here, and, uh, and that company that is, it's owned by one of our elders. And they brought their equipment in here for us to use temporarily. So we began using that equipment. We are immediately beginning uh, beginning to stream our services at that time. As we moved into the summer, we began to understand a little bit more about this virus, so we established some new protocols, and we slowly began to reopen our services incrementally and slowly. Yet at the same time, the majority of our congregation participated online. And not always uh, live online, but during the week online. In fact, we have our statistics on that. Uh, and so one of the things that we saw during this season is we needed to make a, a long-term commitment to streaming our videos, uh, video streaming our services. Uh, the, so some of our Expand 2020 funds, some of those were just, but not very much, but a little bit was designated for a video streaming service, but it wasn't enough to get what we needed. We did take out one uh, small business loan for $25,000 to help cover some of our immediate expenses that we needed to be able to become more, more independent and not rely on the AV company to, and, and their loaned equipment to us. So it's, at the same time, we said, we're not going to just do this. We're going to go ahead and, and do a, a local drive for, uh, to help cover school expenses, back-to-school expenses with a school supply drive. Many, many of you guys remember that. You participated in that for at-risk students right here in Fort Worth. Uh, but all in all, the Expand 2020 project, it took about a six-month break. But now we've picked up where we've left off, and we're continuing to move forward. We have a couple things that are still hanging out there. It's going to take us several weeks to wrap that up. But one is to complete the remodeling of the foyer. The second coat of paint has already been finished in there, so we still now have uh, other things to do. The big one that you're going to notice more than anything will be the lighting upgrade that we'll have uh, in the foyer. So our lighting works great. We also have still equipment here all along this wall, which is, it looks to you just like black curtains, but it's plastic and curtains and all kinds of stuff that belongs to that AV company, and then we have to give that back. They're needing it. Uh, so so we, we have, but again, I think God gave us insight, foresight. We didn't really know, but we wanted to have blackout blinds for that. So, so we are already, we're pricing it right now to get some blackout blinds that's going to go on those windows so that we can uh, do our services correctly. And it all involves video technologies. So uh, the truth is this, uh, we ex had expected the Expand 2020 project to be wrapped up by the end of the summer, but that's not, that didn't happen. Of course, that's not going to happen, but it'll, it will be several more weeks. It may even move into the first of next year, but you have my word on this. We're going to complete what we started, yeah. okay? Um, but it's fall now, and it is time for Heart for the House once again. This is a time where we receive pledges and along with a special church offering to help meet the needs of a church project, community outreach, and world missions. This year we're praying for and asking for simply 25, excuse me, $20,000 above our regular tithes. And I am, I'm asking you to, to help us with that. 
Here's where this will go. It will immediately go to help us to purchase cameras and a lot of other equipment and cabling and, and things that we need to set our cameras up in here and so that we can continue streaming our services but do this long term. This will, all, these, all the technologies that we're needing, it's not only going to allow us to stay where we are, but it's going to allow us to be a lot more flexible in all the different things that we're going to be doing in the future because we're in a, we're in a season of reshaping and reforming a lot of the things that we're doing. And I've been sharing that with you for months too and, uh, and we'll have, we have a committee that will begin meeting very soon regarding how we can continue to move forward especially using new technologies and things of that nature and this is the season for us to do that uh, for example even, even these drums on the platform we can't use these during video because the, it's too loud and, the vid, and it gets picked up so we can't stream stuff if, the, if we're using the drums so we've got to have a whole new miking system for that and a, and a big lockdown cage that's, that's going to be the lockdown okay here in the, in the near future. But, uh, but that's 75% of what we raise is going to go toward all of this. To, to get, and it's, it's not about us being more comfortable. It's not about having comfortable seats. You guys already have comfortable seats. It's not about having nicer air conditioning or more croutons uh, for on your salad or anything like that. No, nobody gets a raise with it. This is not about that. This is about really setting us up so that we can export what happens here all over the world, and that's the truth of it. That's really what this is about. 25% of what we give is going to go toward other outreach. So, uh, so a quarter off of every dollar is going to go toward other outreach, and we've chosen two outreaches this year that we're going to be a part of. Uh, one is Traffic 911, which is, uh, deals with teen trafficking here in DFW. Talk to you more about that in a second. And through World Missions and the organization that we're partnering with, again, this year is Convoy of Hope. You're going to hear a little bit more about that in the future. But again, we have a simplicity of vision. Here it is again. We have a vision to reach the nations. That's what today is about. We have a vision to minister to unique needs in our city. And third, we have a vision to be more flexible as a church and adapt as never before, which is the, the technologies allows us huge flexibility and the ability to adapt to just about any given situation because we don't know what the future holds, but we want to be ready and poised for it. This is a generous church filled with generous people, and today's the day to engage your generosity. And I believe that the future is bright, the vision is great. And again, if you're not a part of City Life Church, um, I, what I'm going to share right now about generosity, I pray that it will be a challenge to you personally. So, what I want you to do is I want you to ask yourself this simple question How can I grow in my generosity? How can I grow in my generosity? And then just allow God to speak to you. Now, if you are a city lifer, <clears throat> I want you to ask another question. is How large can my generosity be used for this house? And understand that in, anything that, that comes in on uh, pledges or offerings above the 20000 that's going to go toward facility debt. So it's all going to, it's, it's not going to go toward uh, like the, the pastor's vacation fund, which that doesn't exist, okay? Uh, but, but. This principle of generosity is found all through the scriptures and it's modeled to us by God himself. He gave us Jesus, his son, as a sacrifice for our sins so that we could spend eternal, eternity with him and we could live life to the full. And that, that generosity that comes from God, then we embrace that as well. Uh, really our church, this church has always been built on the foundation of generosity. And I want us to be really honest about this. We, this facility we have here has come from the generosity of others who have gone before us. It's important to recognize that. In fact, the gener this, this facility itself is part of it is people who have already gone to be with Jesus. They've already left their earthly lives, gave in order for this to happen. Their reward is in heaven as ours is but we continue to take that baton and move it to the next level. They were generous, therefore this ministry exists. Many people sacrificed for the air conditioning that you're enjoying right now. <laughs> this house stands because of generosity. And not just this building, not just this facility, but what, we're going, what I believe God's going to do through us exporting uh, materials and, 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 and our church even through electronic means in the, in the days and even years ahead. 
Um, I've lived by a particular scripture, and I hope you will live by it as well, but it's Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. You can take a look at it on the screen. Just jot the reference down. But it says this, don't store up for yourselves treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them, where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. And that's really where the terminology heart for the house comes in. So we invest our kingdom resources and then it actually results in people going to heaven. That's really how this works. There are hundreds of references uh, to money in the Bible. Uh, we can learn, actually you can learn just about anything you want to know about money and generosity from the scriptures. And, and money is not a bad thing. It's not. The love of money is the problem. So what we allow for God to do, so to help us with the love of money, is we allow wealth to flow through us while we live. Because if we don't allow wealth to flow through us while we live, then when we die, it's going to be taken from you. <laughs> there are no exceptions to that, all right? You don't get to take anything afterwards. And so today I'm challenging you to engage generosity for the ministry of this house. This, this is God's house. This is the City Life Church house. And I'm asking you to make a pledge today above your tithes. Now, tithing, that's foundational. Today's message is not about tithes, but I, but I do want to mention something that's very important. A lot of people think that tithing equals generosity. And, uh, and it's not really a matter of generosity, tithing is. It's, tithing is a matter of obedience. Tithing is simply returning to God uh, what doesn't even belong to us in the first place because God's the owner of all and he gives all of what we have so that we can be stewards of it. So we return the tenth to God, that is the tithe. So that is, uh, in fact, I, I, I do this. I've shared this with you before, but I set my tithes up on recurring giving and I have that come out during the week. So uh, I, I set up every single week, a certain amount is taken out for tithes and it goes immediately to the, to the ministry. I set that up during the week so that when I'm here on Sundays in church, my mind and my heart is freed up. I'm not, I'm not worried about the obedience part. I'm, I, can be, I can be challenged regarding generosity. And so that's why I engage generosity generosity then in the services. So yes, I tithe. And yes, we at City Life have a very tight budget. And your tithes actually go to fund the ongoing ministry of the church. Hard for the house funds is what is outside of the budget. So this is all, so really what it means is this is above your tithes. And, and it's, it's just important that we always set apart that generosity part. Devin, would you bring to me that little, uh, that little church thing that I have. This is, this is, Devin, bring it up here and just stay up here with me for a second. Uh, but this, this belongs to, you can just hold it there for everybody to see it, but this belongs to your great-grandfather, belonged. He passed away in 1969, and uh, this was in his house uh, when he passed away. His name was William. Hey, your, your middle name's William also, Devin William, yeah, after your great-grandfather. But uh, William Hageman, he used this, and it, it, he used this to put coins in that would go for generosity outside of his normal tithes. Just a simple bank. We don't use banks like that much anymore, but this was his way of doing it, and I love it because it's a coins. it's a little church, you know. Still has some of Grandpa's coins in there. Now, he's my grandpa, but uh, my grandpa's coins are still in there. And every once in a while, I like to open it up and just look at them because I know my grandpa touched them. They're shiny 1950s and 60s coins, and it's just a, it's, but he said it, this was to go toward generosity, toward the ministry, and, uh, and, and so I'm not going to take the coins out and put them in the bank. I, I keep them as an inspiration to me, but uh, that's what this is about. Grandpa, your great-grandpa had a heart for the house, and we continue to carry on that tradition. Thank you, Devin. Yeah, you can, you can take it with you. Just don't, just don't play with those coins, all right? So this, <laughs> But today I'm asking you to do something above your regular tithes and offerings. It's about generosity. There's a good example of giving above tithes and offerings, above your tithes. It's found in Luke chapter 21, verse 1. I'll just read it for you real quick. It says, as Jesus looked up, he saw the rich 
putting their gifts into the temple treasury. So Jesus was watching people give the offerings. And he saw a, small, uh, uh, saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. Truly I tell you, he said, the poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. So you see, it wasn't the dollar amount that made it generous. And that's so important for us to see. It's not the dollar amount. It's the sacrifice that's involved. In our economy, uh, we think of two small copper coins as two pennies. And there are some pennies in that bank there of my, uh, of my grandfather. And uh, we, don't, we don't really know the real value of those copper coins, but it probably was nothing much more than two cents, really. But Paul gives us this challenge regarding generosity in 2 Corinthians 9, 6. And I asked you to look this passage up and I'd love for you to follow along with me right now. Because this is it. This is really where the rubber meets the road. He says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Now, just pause here for a second. This is Paul talking to a congregation about a special offering above their tithes for ongoing ministry outside of even that local church, all right? But this line here is real important. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly, or under compulsion. So there are these two extremes. One is reluctance, like, oh man, I don't know. I decided in my heart, but I don't know. And the other one is under compulsion, like if I'm, if I'm over here twisting your arm, you better give, come on, give more, give more. So there's not gonna be compulsion. And let's not let there be reluctance. Why? Because God loves what kind of a giver? A cheerful giver. And now look at this next verse. It says, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all time, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. So you see, generosity is really an attitude. It's, it's about being cheerful about the sacrifice. And it's really this attitude that God responds to. God himself then reciprocates the generosity back toward you. It's amazing how that works. If you, if you search online for how generosity changes uh, a giver's life, you're going to find all kinds of studies that show that it's actually a huge uh, benefit. Uh, it, it says that generosity, when you're ge- generous, it says it's going to lower your blood pressure. Praise God. <laughs> it's going to reduce anxiety. Yes, it's going to make your marriage better. It's going to ex- extend your life. It's going to make you happier overall. Who wouldn't want that? Rarely does anyone become poor or miserable by living generously because it just doesn't work that way. Secular psychologists say so. (laughs) I would say the reason why there are favorable outcomes to our giving is because there's no longer a focus on ourselves when when we're generous. See, when we just fixate on our own issues, and we have our issues, you have your issues, we all have our issues, right? (laughs) Okay, but part of coming to church is to not fixate on your issues. That's why being together with the body of Christ is so important because when we fixate on our own issues and our struggles and our challenges, that inner turmoil just keeps keeps churning and, and it manifests itself in a lot of different, very unhealthy ways. In fact, even during this season of COVID, a lot of people have just basically, a lot of people are just really literally locked down and, and, it's, and, and the suicide rate has more than doubled. It's, it's, it's not affecting people in a good way. That's what happens when we're just looking and kind of fixating on our own situations and our own issues. See, Paul, the apostle, he gave of himself. He led the way. And as the leader, Paul set the example. Acts chapter 20, verse 35. uh, Look at this. Paul says this. And Paul's the one who wrote that that text we just read a moment ago. He says, and everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, I want to go back to, to help the weak. Because if anything, Heart for the House this year is about helping the weak. Because there are some people, they're simply not going to hear the gospel. They're simply not going to be able to connect with their local church unless we have the technologies to be able to do that in this season. That's, that is reality. 
That is reality. There are some dear saints whom I love deeply who are just simply not able to be in services with us. And, and it's time that we replace all of the material that we've had loaned to us and have our own and be able to expand this. Traffic 911. Yes. You'll see in a second. Also, the ministry of Convoy of Hope. It's all about helping the weak. And in this, t- this season of a lot of uh, personal scarcity, a lot of people are experiencing that. I mean, the truth is, in the midst of that, generosity can be vibrant. In fact, I think it's in the lean times when you don't think that you have very much to spare. It's when you actually can grow the most by choosing to give because generosity breaks the scarcity mentality. Um, in order for you to see heart change from a scarcity mentality and switch over to an abundant outlook, you have to really make the choice of generosity, which is what I'm talking about today. We are by far still the wealthiest nation on the face of this earth. Even the, even the financially marginalized in our own nation, they live better than 75% of the rest of the world. Here's what Paul said in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. And this is Paul telling Timothy, a pastor, to tell people in his church this. He says, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and be generous and willing to share. So why do we do this? There's a little saying that we've said around here for a while. And I like to repeat this on Heart for the House today because why do we do all this? Why do we do this? Well, we do this for the orphan who craves the strong, guiding hands of a father. We do this for the widow who's vowed never to trust anyone again. We do this for the cynic who's looking for evidence to prove that nobody really cares. We do this for the child who is destined for greatness but is abused and neglected at home. We do this for the stoic man who hates himself more than anything else. We do this because if it were not for Jesus, we would be dead in our sins. And we do this because Jesus is coming soon. Before I go any further, I want you to to take a look at your Heart for the House pledge card. And if you're watching online, you can get this through the citylifefw.org website, City Life Church website, or from the City Life app. But just take a look at it today. Um, Because here it says it's not about equal giving, but it's about equal sacrifice right there at the top. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to complete this. Not yet. And on the back, some prayer requests, praise reports, because I, I like to take these cards and pray over them. In fact, if you submit one online, some of our team is going to fill out a card for me so I can carry these cards with me because I like just to have them with me and, uh, and to pray over your individual needs. But we'll fill this out in just a second. Um, but uh, we'll be taking pledges today as well as an offering. So it'll be both. And we ask that Heart for the House offerings come in by the end of the year. That allows us to take action immediately. Uh, so that we can begin moving forward on this. And I, in my heart, my desire is to write a check first thing this week before anything else to Traffic 911. But uh, let's take a look at, at these two ministries that we're going to be supporting through this year's Heart for the House. One is Convoy of Hope. Now, Convoy of Hope is a, is a, is a ministry that we have supported. It is the, the ministry of choice for us for disaster relief. And it is one of the most highly recognized and highly respected uh, disaster relief organizations in the United States of America. And they do a fantastic job. And it is based out of Springfield, Missouri. And, uh, and, and I have friends who have been a part of putting it together, friends who work there and who are a part of Convoy of Hope. I've been, uh, I've been working with Convoy of Hope since, so, uh, since about 1990. Five, I believe, and they do an extraordinary work. Uh, and here's, here's what's cool about Convoy of Hope. It, it, it's a lot of compassion ministry and disaster relief, but here's what they do is they go into communities, they go into places all around the world, wherever it is, and they will find local churches and they, they let the resources flow through the local church so that when the, when the disaster relief people leave, people are connected to local churches. That's the power behind Convoy of Hope because no 
other disaster relief organization does that. Red Cross comes and gives supplies and leaves. That's great. Supplies are great. But what happens after they're gone? This gives them a connection point. Let's take a look at what's happening with Convoy of Hope. Take a look at this video. This will help you understand a little more. Hi, I'm Hal Donaldson of Convoy of Hope. First, I want to say thank you for partnering with us to deliver 150 million meals to children and families hit hard by COVID-19. Together, through this ongoing United Act of Compassion, we're providing real help and tangible hope to so many people across the United States and around the world. Ordinarily, we wouldn't send you a video request at this time of year, especially during a global pandemic. But right now, our in-country disaster relief teams are responding to 16 major crises, hurricanes, typhoons, fires, refugees, and more. In addition, 92 of our children's feeding stations have been ravaged by hurricanes and typhoons. And as you can understand, we feel a sense of urgency. We need to restore these schools and churches and continue serving these children that Jesus has placed in our care. As our ministry partner, we just wanted you to know what we're up against. Here are two updates from two of our ministry leaders, Brad Rosenberg and Nick Wiersma. Already, we've distributed almost 2 million meals in the affected countries. We have many more containers filled with food and relief supplies en route right now. Our relief teams are working tirelessly to make sure people receive the help that they need. We know our church partners are counting us to be their hands extended to the poor and the suffering, and we're already on the front lines representing them. But we're also representing Jesus himself, and we're letting the survivors know that they're not alone and that Jesus loves them. Right now, we're responding to crisis in the U.S., Asia, Central America, and many more places. And we're hearing amazing stories. For example, our teams are navigating flooded out roads and flooded bridges, and they're distributing supplies simply on the streets. People that have been evacuated due to landslides and flooding, they're passing out tarps and bags of groceries. We're hearing stories of pastors themselves who have lost everything, but they themselves are actually out in the streets rescuing people. They're rescuing women and children, using logs of wood and pickup trucks to get people to safety. And then they're using their churches as shelters and feeding centers where our teams are bringing supplies and tarps and food so that people have a warm meal and a place to lay their head. As always, we work heavily with the local church, and we want to keep the church at the forefront of everything we do and honor the pastors and the people that we're working with. Our teams are working tirelessly, so please pray for them. We actually have a story of one of our teams in the Philippines who were out distributing supplies, and they actually got caught in between two typhoons themselves. Where they were distributing supplies, they had to take shelter, and once the typhoon passed, they were at it again, distributing supplies to people on the streets and distributing supplies to churches that were in a place of need. In the U.S., we're continuing to help families put their lives back together following hurricanes Laura, Delta, and Zeta. And on the West Coast, we've already delivered more than 40 tractor trailer loads of food, water, and emergency supplies. Internationally, in the wake of numerous hurricanes and typhoons, an estimated 1 million people have been displaced from their homes. In Honduras, for example, families waited to be rescued from their rooftops for several days without food or water following Hurricane Ada. The winds and rising waters have devastated their way of life. In the Philippines, infrastructure has been destroyed by super typhoons Goni and Vamco. Food is scarce and disease is setting in. This is a major crisis that unfortunately is being underreported in the news media. And in Vietnam, people are still trying to recover from two typhoons. More than 500,000 homes were destroyed. And now they're bracing for a third typhoon. They're suffered from 12 major storms this year alone. That's the bad news. Despite the pandemic, and the rapid sequence of disasters, our in-country relief teams are responding in a big way. That's the good news. We wanna thank you again for standing with us. With your help, more than 300,000 children are being fed around the world each day at over 1,000 schools. For many, it's their only meal of the day. It's heartbreaking to think that 92 of those feeding stations have been damaged and destroyed. Would you please pray that God helps us 
to rebuild those program centers and to continue feeding these children. Second, please pray for the protection of our dedicated team members who are serving on the front lines. They've chosen to put themselves in harm's way in order to offer help and hope to suffering people. And then lastly, would you please pray for God to provide the resources that are needed? This is a massive undertaking, especially during a pandemic. If you feel so led, please know that a, a year-end offering will go a very long ways and help a lot of people. Thank you so much for your trust and your partnership, and God bless you. I just want to let you know we will be participating in this. We're going to give part of our our uh, offerings from Heart for the House to Convoy of Hope as, uh, before the end of the year. Uh, thank you for your giving in advance because this is part of what we do. This is where resources go. Um, a lot of times we don't, we don't even show all the videos and everything of what's happening, but this is, this is part of what we do. We want to help Convoy of Hope this year. Second is the other ministry partner we're partnering with for this year's Heart for the House is Traffic 911. They provide services right here in North Texas. They serve over 200 uh, child sex trafficking victims every year in the Metroplex. Um, basically, Traffic 911 is a modern day abolitionist movement. They're fighting human slavery. And if anything should break your heart, should break your heart. The human slavery, slavery still exists, and it exists right here in the Metroplex. Traffic 911 was named an outst outstanding organization of the year by the Fort Worth Commission for Women. Uh, they've had uh, commendations come from the Fort Worth City Council, Fort Worth Mayor, and State Senator. They're recognized also by Homeland Security Investigations as a most valued partner in the battle against the sexual exploitation of children right here in the Metroplex. Let me just give you three quick stories. This is, you can find these stories also on their website, but here's the one. Take a look at this, this young lady. She says, we met her one night when she was recovered from a trafficking situation here in North Texas. She was confused, frightened, and fighting for survival. Today, she is sharing her dreams for the future with her Traffic 911 advocate, which include her hope to advocate for other brave survivors just like her. What took place between that night and this day is anything but simple. She has fought long months to overcome the effects of complex trauma, to find the right system of support, and to work on opportunities for education and to launch her in the right direction to pursue these dreams. Here's the next one. Only 13 years old. That breaks my heart. The brokenness she experienced in her own home set her up for the traps of a trafficker. Guys, this is in our backyard. Now she has plans to play basketball in college and wants to study law. Her traffic 911 advocate, whom she calls sister, is helping her set milestones for herself and to reach her goals. The trust-based relationships we build with survivors of child sex trafficking are intentional. They provide the stability survivors need to heal from the complex trauma and they learn how to trust again. One more story. Her trafficker tried to brand her as a possession by tattooing his name on her. These are minors, guys. But she is walking in freedom today, and thanks to a local specialist, she's getting those marks removed from her body. So she's not wasting any time writing a new story for herself. Let's take a look at a very brief video from the executive director of Traffic 911. So something you may not know about Traffic 911 is our work on the systemic level. So a lot of times you hear us talk about the one story, the recoveries here in North Texas where our team goes out in crisis response and works in long-term advocacy and mentoring to help each, each one of those victims. And each one of those stories matters and deserves our best. But we also care about swimming upstream and affecting systemic change. And so sometimes behind the scenes, that looks like us being a part of a lot of meetings on the state level and even national levels, uh, writing standards of care and standards of services 
for trafficking survivors to ensure that they're receiving the best services possible. And so when you're supporting Traffic 911, not only are you supporting the one victim who's recovered here in North Texas, you're affecting change for trafficking survivors across the state of Texas and across the nation so that they can have a future flourishing lives. So my goal today for this week is I want to hand deliver a check to Traffic 911 from us. Again, today our goal for Heart for the House, our minimal goal is $20,000. And um, I'm going to ask you to make a sacrificial pledge today that will be fulfilled by the end of the year. And some of you can fulfill it immediately today with an offering. Uh, but, and, and if so, please do that. Uh, but this offering is above your regular tithes and offerings and you'll initiate, but you initiate the, pro, the uh, pledge today. Again, Heart for the House is for all of us. Is, it's for City Life partners. It's for City Life attendees. And even it's for you as guests if you'd like to participate. Don't forget this. It's not about equal giving amounts. It's about equal sacrifice. And our vision for Heart for the House really comes down to these three areas. Our church, which is acquiring technologies that are needed to replace borrowed equipment for services and and for streaming and expanding our, our reach. It's also for our city, for providing Christmas funds to Traffic 911 to help keep slavery at bay in our city. And it's for our world by providing extra support for our world uh, outreach partners, Convoy of Hope in particular. So when I think of Heart for the House Sunday, I think about this, is that my heart was given to me to contribute to a dream. My heart beats to create future for those who have none. And my heart is for those who are suffering silently. That's my heart. I'm going to ask you to take the heart for the house card and you can do this on the physical card itself i'd love if you would um I'll, if you're not able to do that you can go to the app or the website and complete this and go ahead and fill this out today it says the amount that you're this is the amount of the pledge and then the offering is separate from that, okay? So the offering is separate. And so, so you go ahead and make a pledge today. And then after you've completed the pledge card, go ahead and, uh, and, and go ahead and give an offering. Initiate that offering today. And you, you can do that in the form of a check or you can go, do it through, um, through Pushpay, through the City Life app. There's also the giving station that's out there in the foyer. So you can do that at any time here uh, or even right after the service. But what I also want you to do is on the forms online as well as here, there's a place that says prayer requests and praise reports. And I want to be praying for you. Uh, some of you are going through some really tough stuff. And I just want to pray with you. I, I, my heart just, I just, it's a simple way for me just to lock my faith in with yours to pray and believe for miracles of whatever kind. Maybe it's just a praise report, not just, but maybe it's a praise report I can celebrate with you. But I look forward to seeing these cards. And if you submit one online, I'll be seeing it as well this week. And, uh, and you guys are going to be in my prayers. So I'm going to give us just a second. I'm going to pray. And then the team is going to sing some. And just take your time filling this out as well as giving your offering. All right? We do so. God, we just pray right now for your blessing to rest over this heart for the house offering as well as our pledges today. And I pray that there we will have more than enough that uh, we will go way over on this so that we'll not only be able to, to, uh, to take care of all of the needs, but we'll be able to go above and beyond. I thank you, God, that this ministry is outward-oriented. This is an outward-oriented ministry. It's not about us. It's about being outward. And I thank you, God, that, that you're going to do, ex- do, do amazing things through these offerings today and these pledges. In Jesus' name, amen.